When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The thing about comparing rates at Progressive.com is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about comparing rates at Progressive.com. We probably don't even need the words comparing rates anymore to remind you that seasoning steaks at Progressive.com is an easy way to save on car insurance. Or that swimming in trousers helps you find the lowest rate. And that's the thing about foraging for truffles. You've heard a lot of ads about standing tiptoe on a cinder block. Compare rates and sing softly to a wounded field mouse and save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save on your tickets. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I is Chicago! Welcome into the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago. And with me tonight for a long podcast, a good, long, hearty discussion about the state of the Chicago Blackhawks is the one and only Jay Zawoski from 670 The Score. Jay, I feel like it has been about forever and a day since the last time we talked about the Blackhawks. How have you been, man? I've been good, just super busy. I know you've been super busy, too. Um, now that you're Mr. Full-Time, um, it's harder for us to match up. I've had some family stuff going on, too. Nothing too bad, but just crazy, crazy busy. Uh, and truth be told, the Hawks have not been very good. There hasn't been a ton to discuss. Um, so, you know, it's been, what, I think it's been over a week. Well, definitely almost two weeks since our last full podcast. So we apologize. We did not make it all the way to two weeks, though, without doing a podcast. We made it to a week and six days. And, hey, we did give the people some... Uh 
podcasts in the interim. We gave them some post-game stuff, reacted a little bit to kind of the news of the week, like the re-signings and stuff. So there has been some Blackhawks talk in our lives. It just hasn't been, you know, quite what we're used to. Well, I think that's kind of what I want to spend most of this podcast on is the re-signings that have happened over the last week. We can, you know, flap our gums all we want about the games. Nice win today. Fine. Uh, horrible loss yesterday. Cool. This is just what it's going to be. It's going to be up and down to the year ends. Um, and what you're looking for is to see, um, you know, players step up, players take the next step. Uh, guys kind of pull themselves out, see who's quit and who hasn't. And um, I guess a little bit of the encouraging news we've seen over the last two games, at least, has been that Jonathan Taves is picking up some points. Uh, Eric Gustafson, in signing his deal, has been racking up some points. So those are some good sort of small picture things we can talk about. Um, but it really is about next year and beyond at this point. So I think I definitely want to talk about that. I also want to get into uh, Scott Powers' interview with Dylan Sakura today, uh, maybe lending some insight onto what he's thinking as far as signing with the Blackhawks. So we'll get to that as well and answer a ton of emails because, like we said, it has been uh, 13 days since our last podcast. So we're going to address a lot of those emails you guys have sent us. So uh, with that, why don't we kick it off, James, with the re-signings. Uh, Jan Ruda is re-signed for one year. Uh, the deal is worth uh, $2.3 million next year. Eric Gustafson, two-year extension, cap hit of $1.2 million for the next two seasons. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on those. I've shared mine a lot on Twitter. Not super thrilled with either of them. I think I've sort of settled into the Gustafson one a little more. The money makes a little more sense when you kind of break it down as to similar deals around the league. But I think the Jan Ruda one is ridiculous, and I want to get your take on that. Well, I, I did write a story. Uh, I know that between my uh, TV appearance the other day and my radio appearances, I've been Mr. Busy. But I did uh, sit down and write something for the Madhouse Enforcer blog on NBC Chicago just about basically how I don't really – I don't feel like Stan Bowman understands what's wrong with this team. And I know that seems like a huge indictment of a general manager, but you got to think that his moves kind of do bear out that criticism because what's he been doing lately? First of all, went out and acquired Anthony Duclair. So, I mean, yeah, you're getting faster, but also a forward. You don't really necessarily need forwards. You need more defensemen. The defense is where your weakness is, and what Stan Bowman's been doing is adding forwards, and then he's been re-signing guys at above-market value, and these are guys who, frankly, aren't really guys who should be guaranteed top six spots, at least in my opinion, especially a guy like Eric Gustafson. It's like, look, he's a a decent guy, but that's what he is. He is a guy, and I don't understand unless they think he's going to take some giant step forward next season, I don't really understand the logic in giving him a contract extension, especially one that's going to pay him that much and pay him over what I think and what you think is fair market value for him. I thought the same thing about Jan Ruda. I liked what he did early in the season, but I feel like his regression in the latter stages of the season kind of does make me question whether or not there's really another level that this 27-year-old guy is going to be able to get to in his NHL career. And I think if Stan Bowman is going into this thinking that all the Blackhawks' defense needs to do is to mature and grow up and continue to play together, then I really think there's something wrong with the way he's approaching it because the way I look at it is those guys 
could potentially be top four, maybe, if they take a giant step forward, but that's a huge maybe. And then on top of that, you have Brent Seabrook, who's not getting any younger, not getting any faster, not getting any better. And then you have Duncan Keith, who especially lately has had just the a huge downturn in his foot speed. I know he had a couple of really nice plays today along the boards that he was getting some praise for, but routinely the last couple of games, especially before that, he was getting beat off the draw constantly. Guys were just moving around him with ease, wasn't even really challenging them, and it's been really frustrating for me watching him play, knowing what I've seen him do in the past, and knowing now that that foot speed might not be there anymore. And frankly, if that's gone, the Blackhawks have a whole nother set of problems, and they're preventing themselves from addressing it by continuing to sign guys and sign guys for above market value deals. Oh, and you're, that's the thing. It's I don't mind bringing either of those guys back, right? It makes sense. Fine. You got two guys that you think maybe could develop into something cool. Don't overpay them. Neither of them has earned an overpayment at this point. And you can nitpick and, and say we're, we're getting a little too, you know, uh, a little too picky. It's only $200,000 more or 500 Fine. That's great. But when you do that with every player on the roster, that's how you create salary cap problems. If you have $3 million on your roster of, like, extra little throw-ins to make guys feel happy, that's a quality player you can have on your roster instead, right? Now you've got all these guys, Brent Seabrook, um, making extra money, you know, you got Ruda, you got uh, Gustafson, other guys that he's re-signed with, like, the little wink-wink, hey, thanks for being here. Here's an extra 500 k for you. That's what puts you in hockey hell, and that's exactly where the Hawks are right now. I just don't know, like you said, what, does he know what the team needs? Is he aware that this D is bad? And we saw what he said, um, I think it was early last month, saying, well, you know, a lot of these guys are still in their prime. They got a lot of good hockey left. Dude, look at what's happening on the ice. And you know me, James. I have been a big Sam Bowman defender. I have been for a very long time. Over the last two years, he's made it pretty tough to stay on his side and to defend him because these signings, I think he seemed to lose his mind the day he signed Brent Seabrook to that eight-year extension. And from that day on, the moves he's made have been questionable. I like the panic for declare trade. Fine, but it's such a minor move, right? It's not anything that's huge. It's not anything that's going to change the franchise. His decisions have been rough, man, and it's all about the money. It's all about the spending, and for a guy who's supposed to be this cap genius, this cap expert, these contracts don't make sense. They just don't. You can find a guy like Ruda and a guy like Gustafson Anytime. Those guys are a dime well, they, a dozen. And they did. That's the point, is they did find those guys in that way that you're talking about. Yeah, well, look, you just traded one to Michael Kempney. Same deal. A guy who, okay, maybe if he maxes out, he's a, a four. Probably more likely a five or a six. That's exactly what Ruda and Gustafson are, too. I guess I have the highest hopes for Ruda. But still, I'm not willing to give him $2 million to, to find out. I, I just two point yeah. three million for Jan Ruda? No, there's no way in hell. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I have to. I'm inclined to agree with you, obviously. But then the question you have to ask yourself at this point is: Do these extensions indicate that Stan Bowman has been told that his job is secure and that he needs to do what he feels he must for them to be competitive next year? Because I look at these deals, especially with the shortness of the term. 
yeah, you're locking these guys up and you're hoping they take a step forward. But to me, they indicate that you're not in this for some rebuilding project unless you somehow manage to get rid of Brent Seabrook's contract, which good luck to you. But the way that teams have been so reluctant to take on money from the Blackhawks, I strongly doubt that he's going to be able to dump that contract without adding in a huge sweetener, somebody on the level of like a Nick Schmaltz or somebody to that effect. Because, frankly, the Blackhawks are starting to run a little bit low on prospects that you can afford to lose as kind of these sweeteners and deals. And we've seen it start to bite them a little bit. I think Steven Johns isn't a great defender by any stretch, but he could probably be a useful guy here at this point. And then obviously, Tavo Teravainen, who just came back to town with Carolina, leading them in points right now. Don't you think he'd look good in a Blackhawks sweater right now? Instead, Stan Bowman has had to trade these guys away as cap sweeteners to get rid of some of this money. And now you've got this giant $7 million contract to Brent Seabrooks that I don't think there's any way in hell they're going to be able to get out from under. And you're right. And and look, we can go back as far as the... uh initial Brandon Saad trade, the one that sent him to Columbus in the first place, they got Artem Anisimov back, and Bowman couldn't wait to sign Anisimov to a deal that was too rich, too. Right? Like, he did it right away, almost like justifying, like, well, look, we're paying him like a number two center, when he had not shown it yet. Is he worth $4.5 million? Probably. That's probably fair. But there was no need to sign him for that big of a deal at that time. These little things, they add up, and they damage the team. All these little extras all these little bonuses that that bowman has that's what screws you that's what messes the team up look uh brian bickle who no one could have predicted he was going to come down with ms that is a huge part of what affected his play here in chicago the deal at the time was like oof, okay what was it four million dollars right after the uh that's what i think that's what bickle signed for after he had those two great playoffs in a row and everyone said, okay, mm-hmm. that's pretty high, but if he continues to grow this way, it's worth it. Well, he didn't. And now you had to get rid of that deal, again, before you knew about the MS. And like you mentioned, you had to give up Tavo Teravainen, who'd be the team's second-leading scorer right now behind Patrick Kane, to make that deal happen. And you said the name Nick Schmaltz. If it takes moving Nick Schmaltz to get rid of Brent Seabrook's contract, that is suicide, man. Nick Schmaltz, is, is yep. aside from DeBrinkett, your top prospect and the one of the guys you actually feel good about going forward imagine this team without nick schmaltz think about that that's i mean their forward depth without schmaltz is abysmal because say what you want about anthony duclair i all i see is a guy that is fast i don't see a lot of scoring i don't he you know it's almost like a a less defensively skilled michael for like, yep, he's fast, oh, and he can stick handle, but God. he can't put the puck in the damn net. And that's what, what you're looking for. Without If they have to move Schmaltz, oh, my. You're in real bad shape. The other thing you have to mention, too, if we're going to mention these, you know, 500K incentives for guys to feel good about being Blackhawks, then you have to mention the no-movement clauses that he's basically given everybody. Because even if you can find like a lower tier team to send a Brent Seabrook to who's got plenty of cap space and can absorb it what what's going to happen if he says you know what no I don't want to go to that team because he can because he's got the freaking clause in his contract that Stan Bowman just hands out for all the things that Dean Lombardi did wrong in Los Angeles that ultimately led to his ouster 
his refusal to give out no movement and no trade clauses will rank is a really smart thing that he did because Stan Bowman just gives them to everybody and basically ties his hands behind his back because he gave them from to everybody from Seabrook obviously Kane Taves and Keith all have them Artem Anisimov has one for crying out loud you're telling me that that guy that you're paying four and a half million dollars to to be a third line center needed a no movement clause in his contract give me a break no and, and the point of a no movement clause is you do that in lieu of money say look we got some cap situations here you know we've got a lot of star players we have a lot of guys we have to pay how about instead of four million you take 3.7 or 3.5 We'll give you a full no, full no movement clause, and you're here, and you know you're here, and you know you're happy, and you know you're where you want to be. You don't say, here's extra money and a no trade clause. What does that get you? All that gets you is trouble. That gets you All fired. It, it does get you fired. You're right. And, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to make too much out of, you know, all of a sudden he signs Gustus and Arruda, and I want him to be fired. I, I, you know, and the fact that he's making these signings, Makes me feel like his job is probably safe. Yep. But it's just like, dude, are you the only one not seeing what we're seeing? Is he too close to the situation? Is he too in love with the prospects he found? Is is this him maybe doubling down, saying, look at all the guys I have under contract that I brought in? That's well and good, but very few of them are making a difference in a positive way. Or has he been told that he has to compete next year and that rebuilding isn't an option? Well, that... Uh, I mean, that's you, you can't rule that out because you do have John McDonough that's in charge of this thing. So you obviously cannot rule that out as having happened. Well, I don't know if Eric Gustafson and Jan Ruda for a combined three point three million are going to help you compete. Yeah, but who else is on the free agent market? I think that's the. If he looked at the free agent market and went, "Well, I can't afford any of these guys," so. Let's roll the dice with these guys and hope that they can actually take a step forward in their development like that. Maybe he felt like that was his best option to try to be competitive in 2018-19. I mean, there's got to be a reason, and that makes as much sense to me as anything. I just, I don't know. I wish there was a little more clarity on where they're going. And look, for all the credit, and I mentioned this on the score a couple times too, for all the credit that John McDonough and Rocky Wirtz and Jay Blunk and Stan Bowman have gotten, for how great this organization's been and how they're, you know, they don't accept losing and blah, blah, blah. Guess what? This is really the first time where they have to prove it. This is the first time where John McDonough has to step out and put his balls on the line and do something gutsy. Look, what they did for the organization was great, but if James Naveau and I were running the Blackhawks, we too would put games on TV. We too would be aggressive in free agency. We too would pay our star players to... to it's all common sense stuff that they did, right? It's not like they reinvented the wheel by signing and paying their players and putting games on TV. Yeah, the marketing was great. One goal, everyone knows that. Chelsea Dagger, hooray, hooray. None of those things made a difference in them winning a Stanley Cup, right? So now is the time where I want to see what McDonough is made of. And, you know, for a guy whose horn is blown so often in this town, I want to see him put his money where his mouth is and do something right. Because now is the time where if you, if you have... If you got some balls, you could pull the trigger on both these guys this summer. You really could. You could fire Quenville and Bowman and say, we're not good enough. The last three years have not been good enough. This year was completely unacceptable, and we're going another direction. If he's got the, those brass balls that we keep hearing about, 
then maybe that's what he should do. I don't think it's going to happen, but now's the time. Put up or shut up. All we do is hear about how great you are. Now, in this moment of need, in this moment of uh, finally some negativity, let's see what you can do. Let's see what you can pull out. It's hard to disagree with anything you just said, man. It really... It seems like we're at a point now where we're at a crossroads and you have to decide who you want leading this team forward and difficult decisions are going to have to be made. And I'm starting to wonder if the guys that they have in charge right now are the ones that are going to, you know, be the ones that are going to see this thing through. I mean, you, you nailed it on the head, man. I mean, there's, there's going to be some probably unpopular stuff that you might have to do in order to make this team competitive and it just seems to me that on a daily basis we're being reminded that they seem to be satisfied with the status quo and i don't think that's good enough right now no it's true and look i'm not saying that both guys should be fired i truly someone asked me on twitter should sam bowman be fired and my honest response was i don't know i don't really know how to feel yet because we talked about this last week do we are we overreacting are we having a knee-jerk reaction to a weird season where you lost Marion Hosa and you lost Corey Crawford for two-thirds of the season, and even with those guys there, the expectations were low? Or is this a complete, you know, uh, screw-up, and do the guys need to get fired? I don't know. I'm not in the organization, but I feel like I don't see how things, if they remain status quo, are going to get back to where they need to be. I don't see Joel Quenville reinventing this team, you know, and, and if I had, if you're asking me if I want to keep one and get rid of another, if one has to go, I think I'm changing the head coach because after so long, 10 years on the job, I think the message starts to wear out and Joel Quenville is still an excellent NHL head coach. And the minute he's let go, he will be hired by another team and he will have success there. I know that it doesn't mean that sometimes time just doesn't run out for a guy in an organization. And I think that's where we might be with Quenville. Is it break time? All right. It is time for a break. Let's tell you about our friends at triple threat sports. You know, they're the place to go for all your team outfitting needs and your NHL jerseys. Softball season is coming. Spring is coming. The days are longer. The sun is out longer. It's starting to actually warm up a little bit. Yesterday, James, I was out to breakfast, and I saw a bud on a rose bush. Very exciting. But that means 16-inch softball, 12-inch softball is back. You're going to need jerseys. You're going to need T-shirts. You're going to need all that stuff. Call Triple Threat Sports. They're going to make you look like the best team on the diamond. They can hook you up in any sport, though. Football, basketball, lacrosse, hockey, you name it. Triple Threat Sports will make you awesome uniforms at a very affordable price. So give Chris a call. 708-478-6090 or email him for more info chris at triple threat sports.com triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it we'll be right back with more on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast welcome back into the madhouse chicago hockey podcast where once again it seems like we do this you know every so often we just say what's the future like for this team and the signings of eric gustafson and yad ruda proved to be a really uh good way of getting into that but we're going to get into a little bit more immediate concerns at least to start this second segment wanted to get into since we didn't mention this on a post-game podcast I figured this would be a good opportunity to delve into Brad Marchand a little bit I know that everyone's really stoked to 
hear that name. I'm sure it's not inflaming passions or anything, but for those of you that did not see in Saturday's game, Brad Marchand decided that it would be fun to try to avoid a collision with Anthony Duclair by clotheslining him, thus injuring his knee and forcing him out of the lineup for one to two weeks. And what honestly looked like it was going to be way, way worse. And I think that Duclair probably dodged a huge bullet there. But I do have to bring this up because the inevitable discussion has to be had. Should Brad Marchand have been suspended for trying to decapitate Anthony Duclair? Yes. I mean, it's not like he's the first time. <laughs> this guy does it all the time. Now that Rafi Torres has retired or been forced into retirement, Brad Marchand is the guy that you associate with dirty hits. He just is. I mean, and now I think it's fair that if you've gotten yourself to where you have a questionable hit, you do not get the benefit of the doubt anymore, right? You're not a guy who's never done this before. You're Brad freaking Marshawn, and clearly there was intent there. So, yes, he should have been suspended. There's no question about it. I agree with you. I think that he should not be given the benefit of the doubt on anything. I saw a lot of people who were like, oh, he was trying to avoid the collision, and it looked worse than it was, and yet, let me tell you something. Nobody avoids a collision the way that Brad Marchand attempted to avoid a collision, and I'm kind of tired of it always being, oh, he's just in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing. You know what? No. Brad Marchand is a dirty player who deserved to be suspended for what he did to Anthony Duclair. And I thought it was pretty gutless of him to go out there today and not play, citing some upper body injury because he didn't want to get his face pounded in by one of the Blackhawks. I felt like that, yeah, he might be injured, but being that it's Brad Marchand, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to say he was trying to avoid a beating at the hands of the Blackhawks today. And I don't know who would have done it, whether it would have been a guy like John Hayden or whomever, but somebody was going to punch him in the face today, and he did not play so that he could avoid the retribution, at least from my opinion. And it's just, it's unfortunate to me that a guy like Brad Marchand, who honestly does have skill, he's not like Matt Cook, he's not like Zach Ronaldo, whose only skill is being a dirtbag. He can actually play, and yet he continues to choose to do stuff like he did in that game yesterday against the Blackhawks, which is completely unnecessary and completely antithetical to what the NHL is supposed to be about. You're not supposed to go around cheap-shotting guys. And you can tell me all you want that he was trying to avoid a collision. I say he was trying to cause a collision, and he was trying to hurt Anthony Duclair for reasons that I can't quite fully understand. Well, you know who he was going to have to face up to? Blackhawks enforcer Jonathan Taves. Oh, God, yeah. Taves probably would have pounded his face in a little bit. Now that he's a goon. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, he got rid of uh, Ryan Hartman and Brandon Mashinter and all those guys. Jonathan Taves has to do it, I guess. He's the only one left. Oh, my God. Dude, this season has just been such a fart. It's almost over. <laughs> it's... By the way, since we're talking oh. about the season almost being over, what are we going to do in the playoffs? I mentioned this on a uh, post-game podcast. I believe it was after... The, it wasn't the Colorado game. I think it was the Carolina game where I brought up the idea that we maybe podcast, like do like half of our podcasts kind of like on the Blackhawks, like previewing draft, whatever we wanted to do, and then spend the other part of it like breaking down like a team that we adopt in the postseason. What do you think of that idea? I'm down with that. That sounds fun to me. We're going to have to do something for people. 
And yeah. They're going to be. I, I wonder. My my curiosity is. Once the Hawks are out, do people care? Are people going to watch the NHL playoffs? I know our listeners are hockey fans, so yes, they will. And we should absolutely do what you're proposing. I just wonder how the playoff ratings in Chicago are going to be because I do feel, and I've said this before, that Chicago is a city full of Blackhawks fans but not hockey fans necessarily. You want to know something insane, by the way. If the season ended today, I'm fairly certain that New York, Chicago – the Los Angeles Kings and the St. Louis Blues would all be out of the playoffs. You think the NHL is thrilled about that? No, but you know what? <laughs> you want parity, and that's what it is. I mean, it's funny they always say that, but but the, but then when the big market teams are out of it, it seems like a problem. I don't know. I don't. I you know one thing I do kind of enjoy about this year is the different teams that are going to be involved in the playoffs this year instead of having the same old, same old. It's right. nice to have some fresh blood in there, and it makes it sort of exciting. Your Vegas's, you know? your Tampa Bay's, your Toronto's, your Dallas's, your Winnipeg's. Yeah, yeah, there's a ton of teams that just are not normally in the mix that are going to be there this year. And I'm, I'm honestly excited for the hockey playoffs. And I don't know how we're going to choose which team we're going to adopt, but... I think there are some really good options, and I hope our listeners treat us well if we end up putting the decision in their hands. We should do that. MadhousePod at gmail.com. Tell us which playoff team we should adopt and why, and uh, we'll do that headed into the playoffs. Another thing to sort of tease, I don't have a date on it yet, but we're going to have a thank God the season is over party at Marishka's uh, coming up very, very soon. We're working to solidify a date. We've got some work schedule issues. Uh, Marishka's has the holiday, the Easter holiday coming up. So there's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. But we are definitely going to have an event at Marishka's. Triple Threat Sports has already pledged an Alex DeBrincat jersey to raffle off. Ooh. So we have that. Yeah, very cool. A jersey you'll actually want to wear with pride. Um, so I figured that would be a cool way to get people to come out is to have that Alex DeBrincat jersey available to be raffled off. So that's are we eligible for that raffle? Um, I think we could be. I don't as see as why. We, I don't see why not. As, as long as we buy raffle tickets, we should be eligible, right? I would think so. Yeah. All right, we're eligible. <laughs> MadhousePod at gmail.com. Tell us whether we should be eligible, and obviously we'll have somebody else draw it to avoid the uh, appearance of impropriety. Yes, that person's name will be Zay Jawaski, <laughs> and he will also happen to have a red beard, but. Let's just have the Zadraloviches do it. They're honest, upstanding people who make incredible uh, poor boys. Wow. That's a dynamite lead-in to the Marishka's read. And right oh, on yeah. time. Yeah, you know what? Gonna... Let's talk about something else. You know, you promised we would talk about Dylan Sakura. I want to talk about Dylan Sakura. Dang it. By the way, Tyler Sakura also signed a deal with the Blackhawks last week. That kind of got lost in the shuffle of the Gustafson and Ruda moves. Well, I do want to talk about Sakura, but let's let's take a break first, regroup, get our thoughts together, and then we'll talk about that. So you just heard us talk about Marish because we will be there uh, end of March, early April for an event. Keep your eye on our Twitter account and everything for more info on that. But Marishka's, go there tonight if you want. They're still open for a while. Go tomorrow. Whatever. Go whenever you want. They've got the world's best poor boys, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated, like we said, since 1933 joe zadralovich and his family run the place and they do an outstanding job they do it with love they do it with care and it shows in the food it shows in the atmosphere it shows in the restaurant 
It's a great place. Somewhere you'd be proud to take friends and family for a nice meal. Uh, aside from the famous poor boys, great steaks, seafood, uh, really anything you can imagine. Marishka's has it, and it's great. They've got a full bar with craft beer, banquet facilities for up to 110 people. So visit marishkas.com or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas, M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. Close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go see Joe and our friends at Marishkas as soon as you can. You will not regret it. More on the Blackhawks, especially Dylan Sakura after this break and then we will get to your emails and there are plenty of them because it's been a long time on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast welcome back my friends to the show that will eventually end don't worry so will this hockey season i'm james Navo from nbc5 chicago jay zawoski of 670 the scores with me of course we have been talking about the future of the chicago blackhawks the dirtiness of brad marshan and now we shall discuss something good about the Blackhawks future we've been you know kind of getting into this thing where we're sad it's a bummer we don't know what they're doing with Gustafson Rudy yada yada Dylan Sakura the sunlight on the horizon could he come and save the Blackhawks fortunes with his quality play and his skillful demeanor Jay tell me about Dylan Sakura and give me some good news that was very flowery I like that very much uh, Dylan Sakura, star forward for Northeastern University, uh, has to finish up his season. When he does, uh, the Blackhawks will begin negotiations. And the fear is that this could be like a Kevin Hayes sort of thing where he chooses to test free agency instead of signing with the Blackhawks. You mean the craps Hawks... in the stairwell? He did not crap in a stairwell. As of, as of podcast time, Dylan Sakura has not yet crapped in a stairwell. We will keep you updated. And if he does, we'll do a special podcast about it. But Scott Powers of the athletic who scott i believe is the hardest working beat guy in town uh caught up with dylan sakura and had some questions for him so check out the full article at theathletic.com become a subscriber by the way it is a super valuable and super great journalistic product worth spending your money on uh so a couple excerpts here uh, about sakura's future with the blackhawks so scott says to dylan this is an interview the blackhawks had to have the delicate balance of wanting to have you sign after last season and not pushing you. You've gone from saying you plan to sign to being less committal. Has this entire decision whether to sign been more stressful than you expected? Dylan says, yeah. I remember last year they kind of told me they were ready for me to leave, school that is, but it was up to me. They had no problem with me coming back to school. You see a guy like John Hayden and Anthony Lewis do it as well. They've kind of been through the process, I guess. They've also been through the process the opposite way with a guy like Kevin Hayes. So they know how it could work both ways. So my freshman year, if it came down to me choosing to sign, I would have absolutely said yes. It's changed over the years, how you kind of expected to ask you to sign, and that would be a thing. Now to have the option to have, like I said, the leverage is obviously a little bit different. At the end of the day, my intention is still there, meaning Chicago. They've been awesome throughout the process. Yeah, it's a big decision because it's your career, but at the same time, you got to look back to who's been there along the way. Scott replies, I'm sure a lot of what you weigh is what's best for you, how you fit with the team. This season obviously wasn't the Blackhawks, what the Blackhawks wanted, but Sam Bowman has put emphasis on this younger group being the future and getting them back on track. Is that exciting, scary? How do you look at that? Dylan says, yeah, I remember talking to Stan a couple weeks ago about that. That's kind of the way the NHL is nowadays. If you're not rebuilding or you're not young, you only have a couple years. 
It kind of seems like every team is getting young and rebuilding. The game's changed so much over the last five years. you got to be young and fast, and you have to have skill. I think that kind of fits into my game. It's pretty exciting to see how much faith a guy like Stan has in me, but it's nerve-wracking at the same time, you know? I feel like there's a lot, I guess you can say, pressure just from the fans, me being a six-round guy who is getting scratched freshman year, talking about me being part of the future of the Hawks. It's pretty crazy how it turns around. Obviously, with that opportunity, it's very exciting to have someone believe in you. It's pretty cool. So, not a lot of clarity there from Sakura. I think if you want to feel good about it, he does say that it is his intention to sign here. It seems like he wants to be part of the Blackhawks because of how well they've treated him throughout his time. And I didn't want to read the whole article, obviously. Scott did the work. I should not take all the blame, so all the credit. So make sure you check out that story on TheAthletic.com. Yeah, it's... Uh... I feel like everybody is just, like, so gun-shy and so, like, kind of on edge because of stuff like Kevin Hayes and because of guys like Jimmy VC and all these guys who come out of college and all of a sudden they're like, you know what, I want to test free agency instead. And it's like, it, it's hard to, like, not let that kind of creep into your head. But I really do hope that Dylan ends up signing here because I agree with him. I think the Blackhawks – in kind of giving him this ability to choose, this ability to kind of pick his own pace of development almost. I feel like they've really done his career a huge favor and they've done his development a huge favor. And I hope that he kind of repays that with signing with them. I don't think that obviously he owes it to them to re-sign. I hate that kind of terminology when it comes to a player because it's so it's so seldom they have power to determine the course of their career. But I really do think that with the way the Blackhawks have treated Dylan, the good way they've honestly treated him, I do think that he should re-sign here, and I think it would be ultimately best for him to do so. But you just can't help but let that little bit of Kevin Hayes kind of creep into your psyche just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And it, like you said, it, it's it's understandable for a kid – that young to have that sort of leverage right now in his career it makes a lot of sense to at least do what's best for him um i do think that like i said it seems from reading like it like he does want to be here i do think the fact too that the hawks are going to let him play this year if they do sign him and burn that first year that's another kind of a gesture from the blackhawks yeah maybe if it was a cup contending year you wouldn't think of it that way right because every point matters and they want to get the highest seed they can blah 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 they have nothing to really gain this year by playing Dylan Sakura except for getting him signed, keeping him happy, and getting him to a free agency a year earlier. And quite frankly, if that's what it's going to take to get him to sign is getting him to free agency a year earlier, I think you have to do that because he is by far their top offensive prospect. And there's not really anyone closer at this point that I can imagine unless you're considering Schmaltz to Brinkett, and I don't think you can do that anymore as they're both full-time NHL players. So this is an important one. Kevin Hayes was a little different because you still had the depth and talent to go on without him, and you feel like you can still win for a couple years. Sakura is a guy they need in the fold here if they're going to be competitive for years to come. Yep, I completely agree with you. You know what, though? There is one other thing that I think that we need to have a really serious and frank discussion about, Jay. Okay. What do our emailers think? I haven't heard from them in a while. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It's time for emails. 
Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Burbank, Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com for menus, specials, all that stuff. Uh, I'm passionate about food. Everyone that's ever seen me knows that. I'm a guy that doesn't hide that very well. Uh, Chuck's does it as well as anybody. Do you like barbecue? Of course you do. Chuck's has outstanding barbecue. You like Cajun food? Of course. Cajun food's amazing. Go to Chuck's. They're going to hook you up. You like just typical bar food, beer, wings, uh, you know, burgers, stuff like that? Chuck's can do that for you too. Chuck's is amazing. Everyone that goes there will find something they love, I promise. So go to Chuck's, visit chuckscafe.com, and check out their menu items. You will have a great time and a great meal at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. We love them. Again, Burbank and Darien, chuckscafe.com. First email here from Morris. This is a very deep cut. Wang Chuck, my favorite character from Slapshot. I thought he was dead, but thanks for the email anyway, Mo. He says, hey, Jay and James, firstly, love the podcast. Thank you very much. Next, with the season in the toilet and the defense being the sorest of the sore spots, assuming Crawford returns next year, what are your thoughts on playing Murphy and Keith as the first pair and Osterley and Forsling as the second pair for the remainder of the season? Let them sink or swim to get a better idea of what path the Hawks defense will need to follow for next season. I will sit down and listen to the answer. Thank you, Mo. Has he been standing up and listening to the podcast? I think he has. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead and sit down, Mo. We're going to let you uh, <laughs> relax a little bit. I think that um, I, I don't see a problem with that at all. I, I really don't. I, I want Forsling back here. I've said it. I've been saying it. He needs to play here. He needs to develop here. Um, I don't think being in Rockford is doing him any good at this point. And I think you sort of need to know what you have from him um, because I feel like his development has sort of stalled out a little bit. So I want Forsling here. I want him playing uh, regardless of who he's with. But I like that idea. Keith and Murphy and Osterley Forsling. See what you got. See how it works. Why not? I am inclined to agree with you. The only thing I would caution is that you better be darn sure that it's what you want to do because they only have, as far as I know, one non-emergency call-up left, right? After the trade deadline, you're only allowed to call up four players. So if that's what they want to do, then by all means do it. But I'm pretty sure they're down to only one left so you have to be really judicious and really careful about who you're bringing up and if you're going to bring Forsling up you may as well do something like that so I definitely like Morris's idea yeah that that is something to keep in mind for sure but um I can't think of who else it should be right I just I don't know I think that I think that makes all the sense in the world all right next email comes from oh this one's really long so I'm not going to read the whole thing on the air uh, but Matthew Giovanni uh, writes us all the time. Uh, he is deployed. He's overseas. Uh, listens to the podcast all the time. So he sent a lot of really kind words for us uh, right there. So thank you for that, Matthew. And thank you for your service. Of course, it's really cool when you get an email that says podcast email and then parentheses unclassified. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, that is awesome. It, it is cool. I was like, what is this? And, and I read it. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Giovanni, DLTC U.S. Army. So thanks, Matt, for your service and for listening. Let's tackle his questions now. He says, uh, my thoughts on a woman goalie in the NHL. This is something we got into a few weeks back. Number one, why not? Hockey is for everyone. What better way for the Hawks 
John McDonough, to get some PR than that. Just a thought of the first NHL woman goalie taking the ice in Rockford, Illinois, home of the Peaches, on her way to the National. Sounds pretty awesome. Again, a PR home run. Number two, the Hawks have a goalie problem. With no timetable on Crow and no solid two or three, is it worth at least a PTO to see? The three goalies you mentioned, USA, Canada, Finland, look good during the Olympics. If players from the men's team are getting NHL deals, why not the women? Number three, not limited to goalie. Despite women's hockey's lack of physicality, I do not think that precludes women from playing a physical game in the NHL. ADB, Alex DeBrinkett, is a small guy, but he gets his hits in. He sometimes avoids them. He also gets flattened most nights. Yet he's on the ice every game displaying his talent. I expect to see a woman showcase her skill in a similar manner. She might get flattened, but I'm sure she'll get right back up, hit back, and score a goal or two. But we need a goalie. Let's start there. Again, why not? Our team's limited. The number of PTOs they can offer. What's the worst that can happen? There you go. Why not? Why Give not? it a shot. Play her in Rockford. If she does well, call her up and see how it goes. What do you have to lose? And give her more of a shot than the uh, Peoria Rivermen gave Shannon Zavados a few years ago. The whole, what, two games that she appeared in before they were like, you know what? Nah, we're done with that. Nope, she sucks. I could tell. Yeah, clearly two games is enough of a sample size. I know. Yeah. We are not like... going to be invited to any Peoria Rivermen games anytime soon. <laughs> I don't know why I, t- I t- chose the voice I chose. For it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She's a girl. She's she plays hockey like a she girl. She's a woman. She doesn't know hockey, man. She took her jabs. Sorry, I'm she, mixing things Oh, yeah, up here. she did take her jabs. <laughs> took her jabs. All right. Uh, next one here from uh, Sarah Thompson. Hello, Sarah. I almost called you Robert because that's what the email says. But this wow. is Sarah Thompson. Weird. I was curious if you have any insight how the contract process works with the Hawks. I understand the GM has the final say. But there must be much legwork that's completed before the contracts are offered. Do the coaches or McDonough weigh on weigh in on who gets a contract extension and what the terms are, or is it strictly the GM's department? It seems like the Hawks used to always get so many low-value hometown discount contracts, but now anytime they sign anyone, it's an overpayment of some sorts. I'm wondering why the difference. James, thoughts? I think that most teams will loop the coach in. Obviously, the coaching staff, you have to know that they're willing to work with a guy or what they think of a guy. I'm sure a lot of scouts offer their opinion as well, both professional and amateur scouting. I'm sure they you know, pull other sources from around the league. You talk to guys with other organizations, see what they think of a guy before you pull the trigger on something like that. I'd like to think that John McDonough, the only thing that he ends up being consulted for is to sign off on the expenditure, not whether, oh, what do you think of paying this guy this much? Hopefully it's just like, hey, we want to pay this guy X amount of money. Can we do it in terms of your budget? And he goes, yes or no. I mean, that's literally, I think that's it, right? I mean, have I pretty much hit all the bases? Yeah, I I think McDonough gets involved when it's a bigger deal. Like if they're going to trade a major piece or – um, it's going to be like a long-term big money contract. But as far as like the Gustafson and Ruta sort of things, I don't think he's involved with that. I uh, yeah, I think he just, it's all a matter of need. Next email comes from Alex Keller, one of our frequent emailers. She says, hey guys, where do you think Stan stacks up against other GMs in the NHL? Who are some of the other names that come to mind when discussing the best GMs in the league? Good question. 
I'll mm. eat that question. I think that you, boy, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. I just, um, I feel like the best GM in hockey right now is Steve Eiserman. And I don't know if it's just because he had such a masterful trade deadline or whatever, but I really think that he's stepped up as one of the best in the game. Um, mm. I, I think, <sighs> boy, I think Stan is, is still above average. Do you oh, agree sure. with that? I, I, I think he's in the top half. Um, but but he has had a major step down in the, in the last two or three years, for sure. And winning plays a big role in that, for sure. But, um, yeah, I think that for a guy who three, four years ago was considered one of the top five in the game, I think that's fallen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think sometimes he gets un, unfairly panned for having to make some of the tr- uh, cap deals he has to make. Because anytime a team knows you have to make a cap deal, uh, you're going to sort of lose out. You're not going to maximize the return. But he is also the one who's put himself in those situations. So it's hard to feel too bad for him. I think he's probably above average, but not in the top three or four. Like I said, Iserman would be one of those guys for me. I think um, you could probably say the same for Lou Lamorello in Toronto. Does a really good job. Um, Jim Rutherford in Pittsburgh is a good GM. That's a guy who's found a way with top-end talent, two of the best players in the game, has been able to still uh, make the roster around them very, very good. So I think he is sort of – I think Bowman is trying to aspire to be like Rutherford, if that makes sense. Because he's got got Crosby locked up for less than Taves or Kane, and that's that's a work of mastery in in itself right there. You got to mention David Poyle in yep. Nashville. I yep. mean, he's obviously fantastic. I really think that uh, I got to give uh, him a ton of credit. I love what Ray Shero has done with the New Jersey Devils this season. Obviously, Jim Rutherford did a fantastic job with the Penguins. Iserman in Tampa, you already mentioned. And then we got to give a shout-out, at least somewhat of a shout-out, to a former Stan Bowman disciple, Kevin Cheveldayoff, man, in Winnipeg. He's had a heck of a season, too. Him and George McPhee both. Yeah. George McPhee in Las Vegas. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of guys doing a good job, and a lot of guys sort of recently. It feels like there's been a passing of the torch where some of these guys that were younger, a little wet behind the ears, uh, have sort of grown into those roles. Cheveldayoff is one of them. Iserman, another one. Guys that have sort of, okay, now they got three, four years under their belts, They've, they've turned a corner, and they have become among the top in the NHL among GMs. Uh, last one for the show here comes from Mark. He says, love the podcast. Just wondering what the goalie future looks like. Doesn't seem like we have any future goalies in the system. Should we draft one? Should we trade for a young guy? Uh, there's a chance Crawford doesn't play, and it seems like we have no backup plan. Just wanted your guys' thoughts and opinions. Thanks, Artie. He signed it, Artie. Sorry, not Mark. Huh. I, I got to say that I I think they're probably a lot more likely to go out and try to find somebody a la Scott Darling or something to that effect. I feel like they feel convinced enough that they are capable of kind of finding a guy and isolating on his talent. Uh, I know they sort of like uh, Calendelia. It's had a decent year in Rockford this year, uh, 2.68 goals against with a .902 save percentage. But uh, I don't know if that's someone who they think is going to come up and be the next Corey Crawford. But again, goalies take time to develop. They're, it's sort of they're the last position to really max out. 
I mean, Corey Crawford was in this in this uh, organization for a really long time before he became the starting goaltender. So I do think you're right, though, James. They're going to go out. They're going to sign somebody to come in and be the backup. Uh, hopefully, Corey Crawford's back. Joel Quenville today said the hope is to still get him back for this season. Okay. I guess just for his sort of confidence to get him back on the ice could be a good thing. But uh, if it's me, I'm shutting him down for the whole year. But uh, one way or another, if Corey Crawford's not back next year, you got real problems because uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for that. There's really not much you can do in that situation if your franchise goalie just all of a sudden can't play anymore. Yeah, I think you play the Imperial Death March and just welcome the sweet embrace of death. I think that's all you can do because it's like the, the end of Rogue One. In. Just hug each other. Anywhere without Corey Crawford, man. That's just the way it is. Yeah, no doubt. It'll be like the end of Rogue One where they're just sitting on the beach, like, well, there's not much we can do right now. We're just going to let this nuclear cloud envelop us and die peacefully. Yep. And yeah. oh, and then oh crap, Darth Vader showed up. Everyone <laughs> and everyone's <laughs> dead. Yeah, we're all dead. Rest in peace, all of us. All right, well, that was a fun podcast, James. Sorry again to our listeners that it was so uh, far away from our last long one. Uh, we have a little bit of news. James, you are going to Arizona this week. My dad is having surgery tomorrow, so our post games will probably not happen for the next little while here. Uh, but we will be back next week with a full-length podcast, and then we'll resume um, the post games when things sort of turn around in my family. Nothing serious for my dad, we hope. He's getting four hernia repaired that's right four um but you know he's 74 he's been through a lot so if you got him send some positive thoughts to my dad's way he could use them think he's gonna be fine but you never know um we'd get personal on the show so you know had to have like the talk like where's your bank accounts give me all your passwords just in case that was really fun it was a great way to spend my sunday so uh yeah any positive thoughts or whatever sent uh, my family's way would be appreciated Um, But, yeah, we'll be back with you guys very, very soon. But bear with us over the next couple days here while uh, our personal lives get sorted out. James, everything's good on your end, man. Have a great time in Arizona. Get some sunshine. Watch some baseball. And we'll talk to you when you get back, buddy. Yep, I will talk to you. I might even pop on for a uh, surprise post-game podcast. If y'all are really, really good, I'll do it as a present. Oh, you're so sweet. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE to check out to save when you buy tickets. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. My name's Barry. I live right above you. I don't host parties. I host after parties. They're like parties, only louder and nobody goes home. You can see right here I ripped out all the carpeting because it was holding me back with my pogo stick. Man's got a pogo. Oh, I'm a prankster. I'll grease up a soda can, and then when somebody grabs it, boom! <laughs> Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. 
If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.